0: yet podcast i'm tim crisp your host better yet it's a long-form interview podcast featuring musicians talking about influence talking about writing talking about being around oh welcome to another edition of better yet 11th dream day there at the top the new moodio version listen on to find out why one of my favorite bands ever i asked rick to play this song one time when I saw them at the hideout. and He just said, oh, that's an old one. So I said, I don't care. I just put it on a mix for Terry. Need I say more? Welcome, welcome to week number two of what we're calling the Thought Experiment. Jim Shomo of Dark Thoughts was here last week. This week, it's Elliot Babin of Warm Thoughts and Touche Amore. I believe this is week two of two. Those are the only thought spans that I can think of. Sometimes it's just the way it works out. We managed to get the only two. One of them is from Philadelphia. The other comes in from Los Angeles. And here we are. These people I get to talk to from all over the place. I'm so privileged to get to spend time with each and every one of them. I've had a couple moments of deep encouragement coming my way this past week. Chris Gethard was a guest on The Best Show this week. And Chris, I'll tell you what. The next tattoo I get will be a Chris Gethard tattoo. I'm working at one tattoo every year and a half. The next one will be a Gethard. He's one of those people who just seems to have shown up, come into my world, and provided wisdom for me in a particular moment where I needed it. And he's on the best show with Tom Sharpling, someone who I have mountains of respect for. I'd say my interviews are probably a 20% Sharpling influence. So Gethard comes on, and his show, The Chris Gathard Show, just ended after nine years was a live show and then he was on public access and then he was on fusion tv and then true tv and now it's over and they end up talking about it talking very frankly about the end of the chris gethard show and how it became stressful in the wrong ways and how he was spending so much of the last year thinking about calling it he wasn't having fun anymore And Tom could see that even watching it. And it became a conversation about motivation, about staying motivated for the right reasons and about staying in it, staying fully in it. The quote that I loved was Gethard saying, if you're thinking about not doing it, you shouldn't be doing it at all because you're already gone. That hit, you know, taking time off and coming back from this It's been difficult, I think, to recapture the drive that kept it going initially. And it's never been at the expense of an interview. That hour, that time leading up to the interview is still thrilling. It's just been tough to keep up. And I've never wanted to let that bleed into the show. This show is such a positive force in my life and I want it to always be positive and fulfilling and I never wanna come on here and let anyone think, that my heart is not completely in it, but it's that time in between that has had me wondering, what am I doing at this point? Where is it going? Listening to that conversation between two people who have decades under their belt. It was so grounding. It was like two older siblings saying, it's okay, do it on your terms. Take in what is being gifted to you because there is so much. Every week, I manage to get to talk to people I want to talk to you every single week and share those conversations. I have some ideas for down the line and where we're going to go. And when we are ready, we'll get to them. For now, gravy. It has been gravy. One thing I want to ask, if I may, podcasts at gmail.com, Facebook, 815 382 8869 Hit me up. It's nice hearing from all of you. It would be especially nice this week for you to drop me a line. Truly and sincerely, would be so happy to hear from you out there. That interview, I tell you what, just 45 minutes of feeling like someone was talking to me. Amazing. We also, we being David Anthony and I, and As You Were, our podcast about Alkaline Trio got a nice rub from the fellas over at Axe to Grind. It's my favorite podcast of 2018. They showed us some love and talked about an article David wrote for the Chicago Reader about Riot Fest and about its lack of what we would call long-term booking in pro wrestling terms. Basically, the reliance on legacy acts and big reunions for their festival at the expense of what is happening currently. And that is a conversation I'm going to hold off on here because I've been going on for a bit already. But it's something that you should all be thinking about. Everyone out there, this is a trend that has an end point and it affects all the bands currently hustling, not only for their spots now, but for their spots down the line. You have to build things up as they're happening and shoving current bands down to the bottom and paying lip service to a local scene, a vibrant local scene, all for that big reunion get? Where does that lead you? What do you do in 10 years? And look, I buy in. I'm seeing Jawbreaker. I paid Ticketmaster 40% of the $50 ticket so I could go, but if Adam Fowler wants to send his kids to college, I'm so happy to pay for that. But how are you going to build the next jawbreaker? That's got to be part of the discussion. Good work from David. Listen to Axe to Grind, last week's best show. But not now. You're with me, Bubbas. You're with me this week. And my guest... Elliot Babin of Warm Thoughts and Touche Amore is on the show. Now, Warm Thoughts started under the name Dad Punchers as a side project for Elliot, who has been the drummer of Touche since 2009 and started mainly because Elliot had always spent his time as the drummer and wanted to take on the challenge of writing and being at the center. So he recorded a self-titled LP under the name Dad Punchers before changing the name of the project to Warm Thoughts and then took the sound of the now-titled Mar Vista LP, which was pretty energetic pop punk, some emo leanings, and he took that and expanded outward, making an EP single and a split with our friends The Exquisites, recording all those songs at home with a much larger recording scope, taking in Beatles and Beach Boys influences, hell of an endeavor one we discuss a lot, and one that guided him into this newest LP, I Went Swimming Alone, which, if it's anything... It's the highest of high points for Elliot as a writer and a storyteller. Fantastic effort, one that I was excited to break down with a person who puts a lot of care into his art and has such a magnificent presence. So stoked to share this. So let's get to it. But we'll start with a song. This is Sunbleach and Yellow, followed by my interview with Elliot Babin.
1: I'm out the-
0: Uh, never And and it's okay it's That's okay Because okay. it's it's, okay. it's one of those things It's like You talk to people Who are Scott kids And you're like There's a goodness That's in you There's a and purity that's yeah. great And yeah. I, I've just been grumpy My whole life So, yeah. you know Who's to blame But then that's gotta be Really exciting for you Then being a Scott kid Being a California Scott kid And now you got this Record label Called Asian Man Records Who's putting out Your, your new LP, that's got to be kind of like a... Oh, yeah, I can
2: check that one off the list. Huge, because I grew up on, you know, Chinkie's Bruce Lee Band, Slow Gherkins, Kanka Pickle, you yeah, know, Mike Park Solo stuff, as well as, you know, and Trio and Lawrence Arms and stuff. So getting to do stuff with Asian Man is kind of a dream come true. You know, it's like all stuff that I... It's been very formative in me as a human.
0: And I love... I. I that's it's funny with him too just because it's he's california and then he's chicago that it's right so funny how that works out yeah um so what do you we're you said you're five weeks in on the six week thing yes. for the warm thoughts tour yes which i mean as opposed to traveling in a van with touche yeah You're got your you got your hybrid out there
2: just me and my prius (laughs) Uh and i was alone for four of the six weeks originally when i booked this tour i had uh my sister i had a couple close friends who were all like yeah i'm gonna come out and join you for a couple days here a couple days there and they all all fall through. had shit come up Uh and then before i knew it i was like okay well i'm gonna be by myself in my car for four weeks and it's been a trip man. yeah it's been a trip
0: <laughs> well i mean you got and and what did you how did this how did this leg go are you doing like a are you doing like counterclockwise you're coming up the yes. you're going down south east coast
2: and then coming back through yes so started you, in california uh first went up to the bay area did some central california stuff then cut down through southwest through the south up the east coast went as far north as you know ottawa toronto wow then cut back down through midwest and now i'm gonna this next week is just gonna be the gnarly drives through the middle i'm looking at texas as being
0: like (laughs) the most difficult part of all of that (laughs) yes and it was
2: made even more difficult that uh i had a albuquerque to denton no day off um Amps, okay which what like that a, mean? that's like a nine or ten hour drive uh-huh. so i decided after albuquerque i was gonna do four hours and then i decided to spoil myself and get a hotel in amarillo texas yeah you freaking earned that one. yeah and then my car got broken in too so oh. i had my window smashed out and they stole an amp that i had in my car so oh, come morale, on. morale was a little low there yeah halfway through week two but uh it's all good. And, and you seem like a pretty positive guy. So what do you what do
0: you do with the, uh, I guess with that, just like, all right, well, now I'm on my way to Denton
2: and yeah. I don't have
0: my amp. And yeah. uh, doesn't that suck, everybody?
2: Yeah. I try, really tried not to dwell on it. Before I left on this tour, I got renter's insurance because I just had this inkling that I was going to get my shit broken into. Yeah. So they covered like half the price of the amp. Oh, that's great. Um, and... Luckily Guitar Center You can return shit Within 45 days So I just went Bought an amp I'm planning to return At the end of the tour I hope you're not listening Beautiful uh, Guitar Center return You know Borrow policy mm-hmm. Yeah, You know So hmm. Uh, they could have been worse.
0: Honestly, they're looking at this and they're just happy that you said Guitar Center on this uh-huh. podcast because they need everything <laughs> that they can get right now. They, they're thinking if one person hears this and forgets to return the thing within 45 right. days, we're going to be able to keep those lights on for another 12 minutes. Another
2: 12 minutes, yeah. <laughs> Please, fingers crossed, yeah.
0: Well, I mean, I'm pretty excited to have you over because, you. you know... uh, I get these lovely moments of crossover and I've been really on this like exit in Guyville, uh, 25th anniversary thing. I'm listening to this Liz Ferrer record and I'm going through the touche thing. I'm like, Oh, Brad Wood. Yeah. Two records. Yeah. Speaking of like Chicago and Los Angeles people.
2: How'd you end up working with him? So we were big fans of his from me without you from Sunday real estate. Yeah. Um, And we just always love the production of his records, his his fair stuff. And uh, we just got in touch and we're like, this sounds like the kind of tone and vibe we would like to go for. So we got in touch with him and he's an absolute pleasure to work with. He's like, you're working with him again. Or you did two in a row with him. Yeah, we did two in a row with him. And he's wonderful. We always joke that he's the kind of person that, you know, he would be a blast to have over for, you know, Thanksgiving or something, or some Uh sort of family dinner. He's just—he's a presence, and uh, he just has the craziest stories about being an engineer in Chicago. And
0: he had there's this mid early to mid 90s period where he's in on like all of that stuff You know, like, yeah Like Freakwater and 11th dream day and tortoise yeah. and yeah there he is and then he goes well, He's also got like jesus lizard and hum and then yeah. he goes over and does all this stuff in los angeles he's seen it all he's yeah. just
2: like he's done such a wide array of stuff and he's seen the whole transition from you know doing the analog thing to the digital thing to downsizing to upsizing he's just like he's been there for yeah the whole thing
0: I mean that's got to be cool you know you spend time with somebody who's seen so many different waves and when you're playing guitar music at this at this point in time it's it's got to be tough to wonder like all right is this just another fallow period is this just like the way it is yeah I mean, we were talking in the kitchen about the way media is consumed right now and yeah. how different and strange it can be and- yeah
2: it is it's very weird and strange and it's also interesting talking to Mike Park about that because again that's another person that's seen every phase of it you know like he ran this label out of his mom's garage when CDs were huge and you know he was literally selling you know hundreds of thousands of CDs you know yeah uh, it's
0: it's crazy to look at the numbers of of some of that late 90s stuff like the trio
2: yeah unbelievable yeah and to talk to him and hear him uh, talk about how in that phase there was not a formula but it made more sense how things worked and these days he's just kind of like you know i don't his his opinion on it he's always like i don't i don't really know why you want to put out music with me like i don't really know what i'm doing yeah and his thing is like i don't know how this works anymore like i don't know you have to get on a spotify playlist or something right like i don't know how it works and he's like i don't know maybe i can get you press maybe i can't but i also have bands that I've gone press four and it doesn't do anything. Yeah. And it's like there's, it's, it's, it's nobody so now. And that's fine. I'd rather just work with people that I really enjoy. Like Mike, Mike and I have gotten in the pattern of talking on the phone every week, every two weeks. And we just talk about everything and nothing. And yeah. he's just such a wonderful grounded person who has a great outlook on life. And I, that to me is more important than anything at this point, like right. regardless of how much of, things I may get consumed I'd rather just do it with people that care and are great to be around and are passionate about what they do it's a
0: good way to go it's a good way to go so did
2: you grow up in LA I did born and raised spent essentially my entire life in LA with the exception of one year I went to college at UC Santa Cruz oh okay um 80 miles south of San Francisco yeah yeah I've been to Santa Cruz it's a nice place oh it's beautiful yeah I love it it's and mike lives pretty close to there he's just north yeah there. yeah yeah. santa
0: yeah. cruz is one of those places where uh, i was on a trip in san francisco and we went down to just like we wanted to take a day trip we were in san francisco for five days so yeah. it's like middle of it let's get out so we went to santa cruz to just go to verve and yeah. it was one of those places where you're like oh i should save up I should just, <laughs> just come out here at
2: some point and just yeah. never leave yeah um so what'd your folks do so uh both my folks are in uh movie world they my dad is a a cinematographer Uh uh-huh um he did his claim to fame for like terminator 2 he did like Two. get the fuck out of here and he has a really good cinematographer from
0: terminator 2
2: yeah and he has a really good story i take it you're pretty familiar with t2 (laughs) all
0: right let me tell you you tell me and then i'll (laughs) tell you my terminator 2 story yeah
2: um And so I grew up with T2, so I'm obsessed with it also. But his great story from it is, you're familiar with the freeway chase towards the end of the film. You know, they're in the truck. They're driving along the freeway. And the helicopter helicopter, comes underneath the freeway overpass. Uh And during that shot, James Cameron wanted my dad to be strapped onto the back of a car that was driving. Uh And he was going to be, you know, five feet from this helicopter that really was actually going to be flown under this freeway overpass. Yeah. And, you know, if there was the slightest miscalculation, it would have ended really bad with the helicopter. Yeah. So my dad was like, you know, I just had my son. I don't feel comfortable doing this shot. Like, I feel like my life's in danger. And James Cameron was like, sure, fair enough. And James Cameron operated the shot. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's, that's interesting because you hear stories of, of that guy. Yeah. And he can
0: sound like a drill sergeant oh, sometimes. It so, sounds like he was too. Right? Maybe maybe he got because yeah. I just listened to a podcast about the abyss. Oh, yeah. and Ed Harris won't even talk about that movie because really? he, he had such a bad experience. That's what I've heard. Um, so I, when we moved in here. We made a movie list of like let's you know what what do we want to watch? Yeah, Terminator and Terminator Two are at the top, and I was like, you got to see these because it's it's a great story. Jay likes sci-fi, yeah. Um, so it's like you got to see the first one because it's a fucking cyberpunk movie. It's real dark.
2: Absolutely,
0: you got to see the second one because fucking everything blows up. It's it's (laughs) It's the goddamn best, and and everything like that came after it is just like we just got to do this. We got to yeah. do Terminator 2.
2: Absolutely.
0: I saw this movie for the first time when I was five years old mm-hmm. and it was awesome because I got to stay up and watch an R-rated movie with my cool neighbors yeah. and my mom was like, it's okay, it's cool. I was, yeah, this is unbelievable. Yeah. I've got the Public Enemy t-shirt. I got it on Amazon oh, yes. like
2: five years ago because yeah. John Connor's been my hero since then. Yeah, he looks so cool on his dirt bike with the Public Enemy shirt. Yeah, Yeah,
0: and... We're watching, we watch Terminator, and then the next time we, we watch Terminator 2. We get to that end scene, he says goodbye to John, and he starts going down. You see these goosebumps? Yeah.
2: I just start crying. I've cried during that scene as well.
0: I, I've seen this movie 20 times in my life. It's moving. First time. Oh my God, the <laughs> thumbs up, and I'm like,
2: <laughs> oh. I know. My God.
0: Yeah. There's one more chip. Yeah. Here, and oh, He gets it. I know now why I
2: know now um, why you cry. It's yeah.
0: Well that's that's pretty that's pretty wild. You grow yeah. you grow up and and your dad your dad did that. So it was yeah. I mean there's a lot in that movie. There's all the special effects and stuff like that. And yeah. uh the cinematographer is something that I I think I understand uh-huh. what he does exactly. He's the one that like actually like puts the shot yes together right director's like i want this and he's like okay yeah so he's do that.
2: he's the one who's actually operating the camera and then there's the director of photography who's above him who it's my understanding is more in charge of lighting the shot and uh-huh. figuring out the logistics of how to make the shot exactly happen and then my dad is the one who's behind the viewfinder on the camera capturing it awesome yeah
0: and when your mom's in the business too
2: yeah she does uh hair she's a hairdresser for stuff and oh, she did okay. um she did Mad Men. She actually won an Emmy for Mad Men. Not too Holy long. Holy shit! Yeah, she did the hair on Mad Men. Yeah, she did the hair on. Mad- and funny enough, uh, I usually cut my own hair. It's, <laughs> it's this like it's this funny running joke we have. You're the haircut man. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, so uh-huh. which so there's like this whole thing with that, you know. And uh-huh. uh, yeah, and so my parents. It's funny they each kind of had their own successes in the movie industry at one point or another but for the most part are both very disillusioned with it and hate the hours right and it's so sure. stressful and they think it's a terrible thing and anytime at any time in my life i've been like yeah maybe i'll do something in the movie but they're like please
0: for love yeah God, just don't do don't. It, it's fucking awful. uh-huh Um, wow yeah i gotta say before before we move on i have to like give your your ma real applause just for the (laughs) transition when everybody goes from like clean cut into like all right love movements (laughs) here everybody all the young guys just start looking all scraggly she for um yeah
2: so that but that's pretty wild to be growing up with you have siblings i do have an older sister she's awesome four years four years older than me she lives in the bay area she does uh landscaping Oh, okay. And and with sw- the specialty in like edible landscaping, so she'll go into, you know, these uh, affluent tech techy neighborhoods where uh-huh. and give them here. Been hearing about of, those in yeah. San Francisco. Right? Yeah, I've been mean, give them beds of kale and chard and oh. shit that they can make <laughs> salads out. You know, and she'll plant all that stuff for them and make sure it doesn't die. So care yeah. About it.
0: So. Oh wow, that's <laughs> yeah. You got you got you got you're cultivating, and then yeah. you're just watching something just.
2: Eat everything exactly. up. It's very and know, that's happening. That's
0: happening in LA a lot oh, too. Yeah. Now, right. I feel absolutely. like you're talking about that a little bit on the new record. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Uh, yeah, because I grew up the area I grew up in LA. Uh, it's near like Venice. And growing up, it was uh, that's Mar Vista, right? Yeah, Mar Vista Venice. No. Yeah, and growing up, it was a pretty unsavory part of town. Um, and now it's just so affluent and like it was in GQ as like the Hippies, street in America, Abbott Kinney, and it's just, uh-huh. it's so strange. Wow. It's just a strange, yeah, and a lot of the shit that I write about is just trying to understand how things change and why things become a certain way and right. trying to maintain some sort of connection with a thing that is not at all what it used to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We,
0: we'll we'll get yeah. into that a little yeah. bit because um, that's definitely what I was picking up on. Was there music then in the house when you were growing up?
2: Huge. Uh, my dad is a massive Beatles fan. Yeah. Beach Boys fan. Yeah. He played guitar. He made weird synth music in the 80s that sounded like oh, for Philip Glass. He just recently <clears throat> was booting up his old four-track tape recorder and was finding this stuff, and he's been sending me MP3s. He's been uh, digitizing, and it's the craziest sounding music. It, it sounds like weird Brian Eno. Uh, oh so it's like of like Spacey yeah, stuff Yeah Yeah And it's cool to listen to That's really cool Are, yeah. they, so are they like uh, Are they a little freaky Or what are A little they, freaky Yeah Yeah <laughs> Yeah And it's funny My dad was Talking about this music He was making He's like yeah I really gave myself Permission to like Do whatever I wanted Like I don't think I could do this now Uh huh He's just Is he leash. Is he still working He's still like doing Once in a blue moon For a little while He was teaching film At a university But he's pretty over it And uh He's like just entering the retirement years. Yeah. Yeah. My mom still works a little bit, but again, the hours, especially doing hair, you're like the first one on set. She has call times at like 4 a.m. You know, she's got to sit with someone for like four hours at a time for this shit. Yeah. She's, so she's super over it.
0: So Mm -hmm. So do you remember when you were getting into music, you're growing up with Beatles and Beach Boys, you're attached to that stuff pretty early.
2: Yeah, really. There's, I mean, there's a lot of like home footage of me just like running around like crazy to the Beatles and uh-huh. just like screaming and just... What it about just the punk stuff? The punk stuff. So that came in. So my older sister who's four years older than me. You know, she was into, you know... I guess it all started with like Green Day Dookie probably. She yeah. got it right when it came out. And yeah. I listened to it a bunch. And Blink-182 and uh, Rancid. Just getting into this stuff when I was like seven, eight from her listening to it and that kind of evolving. And that was a gateway just... Into everything. I mean, hitting
0: blanket, you know, whatever age you were yeah. when enema comes out, exactly ninety eight or right. whatever. It was
2: just like, uh huh, yeah. What's it up? Was, <laughs> yeah, it, I just remember like listening to that, listening to that on my Walkman, the C player, and just, oh, I just rocked me to my core. Yeah, know? yeah, for sure. When did you yeah. start playing? Uh, I started playing drums when I was, uh, I think, eleven. I basically, and I got into that. Um, I had a group of friends that I would skate with skateboard with and one of them got a drum kit. These were all older kids and one of them got a drum kit and after skating one day we went over to his house and sat down and we were all like taking turns sitting down at this drum set and I remember sitting down at it and just thinking it was the most bizarre fucking instrument, you know, there's like these things with pedals, with your feet. Right. It's like, it's weird. This side has to be doing different Uh, things
0: than this side.
2: Yeah, but I remember simultaneously feeling this weird, inexplicable connection with it. Uh Uh-huh. To the point where, you know, I would go home at night and just think about this drum set that I just sat down at. And I started thinking about it more than I was thinking about skateboarding. And uh, it kind of got to the point where I was like, Dad, you know, I kind of want to, I'm curious about this drum thing. And there was a website back then called The Music Recycler. It was, like, pre-Craigslist. Oh, okay. And we found some really cheap used kit, and we made a trip. We made, like, a 30- or 45-minute trip out to somebody's house and found this this kit. And I came home and just started playing along to, like, you know, Blink-Rain to Rage Against the Machine, just yeah. all that stuff.
0: Right. And, and, and then it just goes. Did you pick goes. up guitar pretty quickly, or is that something that comes along later?
2: Uh, I actually picked that up before drums really briefly Uh learning just you know power chords here and there yeah playing along to blink ring two stuff right and then i put it on the back burner didn't think about it for a long time and then i really got back into it in the last eight years
0: yeah Yeah. so so what like when you're in high school and stuff like that and you're able to be a little bit more mobile and stuff like that yes los angeles have a lot of different things going on aside from like the bigger venues that I already know are you going to like underground shows there
2: yeah I was going to all sorts of stuff I mean there was a there was an interesting DIY community there was you know we had these friends that put on shows in their garages um, I would have shows in my garage I actually had Paul Barbo come play my parents house garage in, oh like, wow 2007 2006 yeah and so like i would have shows in my garage other people would have shows in their garage there was this store called famima it was like a japanese convenience store and they would have this kind of conference room in the back of the store that you could rent out and we'd have shows there Mm -hmm. we were doing weird shit and i was kind of the only kid that played drums, so i found myself in a bunch of different bands that you know. happens yeah it happens uh uh-huh. and it was cool you know i was playing in drums with kids that were much older than me and they were teaching me so much shit you know yeah play drums in this like power violence band and you know they were like you have to play you have to play louder you have to play faster like you have to keep up with like all this fucking gear we have mm-hmm. and then i was also playing like in a ska punk band and you know, playing in like a big 22 ripoff band, and I just feel very lucky that I had all these people being like, "Yeah, we're gonna do this thing, learn about it, and figure out how the drums go to this."
0: Yeah, it's yeah. interesting. Yeah. It seems like there's there's a lot of older people in your life, like yeah, from the beginning, that are, that are showing you, and you're just like just taking it all in. Just this taking is great. it all in. This is yeah. all like coming to me. Okay, yeah, this is good. You know. It's
2: totally how it's been.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's yeah.
2: nice. That you, and you
0: can just like receive that, and like yeah.
2: it seems like you've got like a gratitude. Oh, for huge. all of that, huge. I mean, everybody, everybody contributed in shaping me. With yeah, all this stuff. So, uh, you, so you go to Santa Cruz for mm-hmm. a little
0: bit. Oh, now, when does you said 2007? So, uh, Touche, you join not right when they start, but you're you're on the first LP, right? I actually joined right after the first LP came oh, okay. out. Okay. So
2: 2009 is when I joined. Uh huh. Um, so I went to UC Santa Cruz for one year. Didn't love it. Wanted to be playing drums more. What it's, were you studying? Uh it's funny. I was. I was a proposed music and psychology major. I was uh-huh. going to double major, and I failed the only music class I took in college, <laughs> which I just—the irony of it is it's beautiful, yeah, right? right. Uh, so I failed the only it's music like failing class. failing gym. Yeah. <laughs> in my defense, it was an intro to world music. Oh, okay. Class. It was pretty complex. I yeah, didn't buy sure. the book. Uh-huh. Cuz I was apathetic. No, see here's the yeah, thing. I fucked up. Right. I yeah. I was just not ready to fully Im- immerse myself in it. And so I was about to it go back. It like you figure that out pretty quickly. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, unless they're like you can't come back. Yeah. Yeah, I was in I was on academic probation for the first semester cuz I just couldn't figure it out. I was just my I think my I was so high on the freedom that came with being in college. I was like, "Oh my god, I can like go do this and meet these people and go to these shows and do whatever I want to. Is like the uh-huh. studying part was such an afterthought. Yeah. And I had friends up in San Francisco, so I was constantly going up there. And so did that. How, are, you, how
0: are your folks during that? Were they just like, it's, it's all right? Or were they, they were, they were pissed. They'd yeah. also
2: just gotten divorced like a month before I left for college. And oh, I'm wow. sure that played a huge part in it. Yeah. I was just like bummed about that uh-huh. and just, you know, nothing matters. Oh, Fuck sure. That, that makes sense. Yeah. Fuck. So. I'm sure they were bummed, but at the same time, they were dealing with their own shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, it was definitely like, a, they were waiting for me to get out of the house to get split kind of thing, so. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was kind of reeling from that, and. You so, good with them now? Yeah. 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 We're just getting to the point, you know, that was over 10 years ago. I love them both dearly, but we're just getting to the point now where they can both come to a show that I'm playing, which kind of sucks. Oh, it yeah, sucks. that's it's taken, it's taken that long. Right. Um, like, yeah, Touche played that thousandth show our 10 year anniversary and warm thoughts opened, and they both came to that and it but it was still weird having them in the same room you know? uh-huh but that's too bad either. yeah it sucks but would that that kind of blindside you though you were you weren't really wasn't expecting it yeah wasn't expecting it i came home from every summer i go to i've been going to the same sleepaway camp since i was eight and now i'm a camp counselor there oh wow and so i i came home from camp and my mom picked me up she's just like yeah we, we split up and I was like leaving for college like a week later. I was like, oh, wow! Shit, yeah. <laughs> I just sat out of nowhere. See, I yeah,
0: I went off to my first uh, year and then came back, and and my parents split. Yeah, and um, I think that was an interesting time for me, just because it's like you you grow up knowing your mom and dad. Yeah, and then when you're that age, it's like, wow! I now I'm like becoming an adult, and I'm a I'm forming like individual adult relationships with both of you, like getting absolutely. to know them both separately, especially at a time like that when there's so much confusion. Yeah, absolutely. That's so so.
2: that's totally how it felt with me. I kind of felt like eight, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty 17, 18, 19, 20 was to put it in a cheesy uh, metaphor. It's just kind of like your whole life, your whole life. You've been like kind of watching this play. And then around that age, you get to kind of look behind the curtain. You're like, oh, my mm-hmm. God, these are people yeah and they are not just my parents, they're human beings too. right. And they feel things in regards to each other. and all of these people have other sides to them, and it's just it's, yeah, it's kinda... I don't think
0: i I think I was like twenty five when I realized that like I can hurt my parents' feelings,
2: right, you know, right. And up until then, you know, they just were these disciplinarians or something. right? You know? Or yeah.
0: they're just like, you know, they're immune to like this part of, you know, interacting with other people. Right. Um, so, so how
2: did you end up playing with Touche? So after my first year at Santa Cruz, I was reluctantly about to go back for year two. And a week before I was going to go back, my good friend Sam, who had been playing drums for the band Trash Talk at the time, mm-hmm. he was at a barbecue with Jeremy. And Touche was about to go on this two month tour, and they didn't have a drummer for it like a month later. And Jeremy was at this barbecue, hit up my buddy Sam, said, Hey, Sam, do you know anybody else that plays drums? Uh huh. Gave him my phone number, called me, just said, Hey, you know, we're in this band, we're about to go on in this two month tour, do you want to do it? And I knew of Touche more, I'd never really listened to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, Yes, let me just listen to the songs and make sure it's within my playing ability, and I will get right back to you. So I literally quickly went, listened to the entire record. I was like, okay, I think I can play this. And without knowing them or anything, I was just like, yes, I'll do the two-month tour. Wow. Didn't know them. And they didn't they didn't feel like, well, well let's <laughs> test this guy out. I mean, Sam must
0: have given me a hell of a recommendation. He,
2: he. he uh, I guess it was enough. I mean, I had to show up and play the songs. And I was uh-huh. nervous as hell. And right, I'm sure right, I played right. the songs like, I remember them saying that I played the songs like at 400 times the speed. Uh-huh. And they're like, oh, that was good, but let's try that at like, you know. quarter of the time um (laughs) and yeah without knowing them we just spent two months together in a van yeah which could have gone terribly wrong right in retrospect like i can't believe that
0: (laughs) it's pretty unbelievable well you know jeremy in the the brief amount of time that uh he and i spent together on my other podcast as you were podcast about alkaline trio um you know He's got like a gentleness to He's him. He's wonderful. It, it, I love him. I really. feel like there's yeah. a. I don't know. The, I don't know the rest of the homies, yeah. but there's just an easiness with with both of your energies. That Absolutely, it's just it just worked out. Yeah. And you get on on, the, and that band's already got the freaking ball rolling. Right. You got the that records on six one three one. Right. And you you come in and what do you get? Just like three years of pretty nonstop
2: like ascension. Really. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was. It was a lot of work. Yeah, I mean, on that two-month tour, the first two-and-a-half weeks were with Thursday. And that was a crazy way to start the tour. And then the rest of the tour, so whatever it was, six weeks, uh, it was all DIY stuff. So it was, you know, it was up and down. It was a lot of, Mm -hmm. you know, playing weird basements, playing weird shows, playing fun shows, meeting people. It was all over the place. And it was wonderful. It was a lot like this tour I'm doing now. Yeah, sure. uh, Which I missed. Uh uh yeah, but it was a little bit of a struggle, like coming home from that tour, and all my friends are still in school, and I like all of a sudden don't have shit to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess I have to get like a menial job until we tour again. And there's a lot of questioning for me whether I did the right thing dropping out to do music because there's right. downtime, and I'm infinitely grateful that it kept me busy and we're doing what we what we're doing and yeah. as busy as we've been. And it's always
0: seemed like a really like. From the jump, it seemed like it's pretty like well oiled and curated. You know, you follow that L P and you do splits with pretty much a who's who yeah. over the next couple of years, like Make Doing Men and title yeah. fight and um, you know, who's how how does that direction going? I always love that move, the splits move. Yeah let's just do a lot of small releases with yeah. everybody who rules. Yeah. And get ourselves out there.
2: Yeah. It's really I give all the credit to Jeremy and Nick. They're just they're so tuned in to who's who and who's doing what. And I don't know. Jeremy has wonderful ideas. You know, he'll come to practice and be like, let's do this. And everyone's uh-huh. like, oh, that's great. Let's do that. Yeah. And it's also fun and less pressure to put out smaller releases and splits. You know, you can just sit down, hammer out a song and put it out. And, you know, people like it or they don't like it. And it's right. Well $100. the people
0: they tend to like it with this particular <laughs> act. I I really like your that band a lot. Thank you, and, I appreciate it. And there's like uh I think that they're they're a band that people really, you know, connect to and you guys have progressed sonically and I think like Jeremy's just got this this way of just writing things for every single person, only for that person, yeah. you know? Yeah. He's it's incredibly really talented. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: And I feel very lucky to be in a band with him. He's a wonderful person.
0: Yeah. yeah. You're not locked up in it completely, though, because you got... You, you were playing with Qualcons for a second, yes. right? Yes.
2: Oh, wow. Wow. I love that little... That
0: <laughs> big kid split? Oh, my God. I love that thing. Wow, I
2: haven't heard anybody talk about this in a long what time.
0: Ha- what happened to that band? Because they, they only yeah. did that and, like, a couple of other things.
2: That was it. That was... That was what I was doing. End of high school slash my one year in Santa Cruz, uh-huh. and then I left to do touche stuff. But they're oh, still okay. my be- they still my best friend. Like the guitar player in that band, we met in first grade, and we're still very For close. Real? Yeah, we're still super close. Um, the vocalist in that band is like my best friend. We hang out all the time when I'm home. Yeah, but yeah. So you know, still. I
0: listened back to that, and I was like, God, there's this there's the there was this thing happening in like California and like the Pacific Northwest where you had like the emo influence that was like coming out of philly and chicago but it was pop punk was like very you know, summer vacation and joyce yeah. Manor and stuff like that yeah. and i'm just like listening to those guitars yeah. but at that speed and i'm yeah. like god this was a freaking time
2: <laughs> it was a crazy time um crazy but there's time.
0: but dad punchers is is a yeah. qualacost track is that where the the name of the yeah band comes
2: from so basically the short story of it was uh, there was a house show that took place in the L.A. community. Um, house show that took place while this person's parents were out of town. Uh-huh. Parents came home in the middle of this house show that was taking place in their house without their knowledge. Uh-huh. Uh, dad got super pissed, and there was a band that was playing, and they stopped, and the dad and the vocalist for the band got into confrontation, and... The vocalists of the band ended up punching him in the face. And so we jokingly called that band, we jokingly called that band the Dad Punchers. Uh huh. And so we came up with that like long before Holocaust, Cost, long before I did any music. And we just always talked about how funny it would be to one day have a band called the Dad Punchers. Uh huh. And since that concept came up long before I made any music or anything, uh, it was always this, like, haha that would be funny. And then yeah. once I actually started making music, I was like, okay, like, oh. joke's done, I'm over it, I'm ready to do something else. Uh-huh. Yeah, so that's why I ended up right. changing the name. But, but <laughs> I, was gonna, yeah. I was gonna say, like... Yeah.
0: You know, it's... I I have two questions here, yes. and, and one of them is, like, when did you decide to do it? And then the other one, which is marked, like, if things are going well, yeah. when did you decide that that was a dumb idea? Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> exactly. So, pretty soon, yeah, pretty soon into it, I was like, actually, I like... Because I'd never made any music when I decided to use the same and then you'd never made you never made never, anything no i had like uh-huh. made little instrumental like adam and his package sounding songs sure. in high school but once i started making music i was like oh i really like this and i would like to continue to do this for a long time but not under this name i don't think uh-huh <laughs> yeah so that was
0: that and uh so when you're when you're starting to do it and you you decide like oh i should release this i should share it like yeah. maybe play shows is it just like just out of your own feeling good and your own sort of...
2: Yeah, and how much it terrified me. I feel like I had uh-huh. never... I feel like I hadn't encountered something that scared me this much in a really long time. And for whatever reason, I was compelled to face this fear kind of head on. Like, yeah, it was just like a vulnerability that just scared me shitless like playing guitar and singing in front of people right because it was just it's not my comfort zone i'm always in the back and i can play drums and i can hide and it's great and i love that and i still am not comfortable really as a front person or as like the as like this entity that makes music but um yeah i feel really compelled to be like i got why am i so for this i gotta go do this yeah and yeah so, so you do yeah yeah
0: let's do it um so and then that and eventually
2: just becomes the the lp you just yeah. you're
0: like oh, well might as well just like make a make a whole record
2: yeah i've been working away at songs in my bedroom uh-huh just you know recording little demos layering stuff on top of stuff that was kind of the writing process you know laying down a riff and then layering things on top of things and eventually i had a full record and i was like okay i'm gonna go record this and i recorded that before any shows were ever played mm-hmm. um and eventually got to the point where I was like, "Okay, it'd be fun to play shows. I need to find friends who would be willing to do this." And that took a long time, and, right? Right. And having to be like a band leader sucked. I still hate doing it. I hate being like, "Yeah, well, maybe you should play this chord a little more like this." You so, know, what just, do you I think about it. like doing this by yourself, this tour
0: now, where it's like you can't just be like, "All right, guys, right? yeah, I'm gonna tune somebody else's."
2: Yeah, uh-huh. I I love it. Actually. Yeah, it's liberating. Uh. One of the shows on this tour, I played in Reading, Pennsylvania, inside. One of the things about this tour was I wanted to play in somewhat unorthodox places. Uh-huh. I played in Reading, Pennsylvania, on a like sleepaway campground, inside of a cabin, mm-hmm. because some dude who was a fan. Is like the camp director there and he's like, hey, you should just come play in a cabin So I went and I played in a cabin and it was like pouring rain and thundering and it sounded crazy outside And there was three people there and it uh-huh. was fucking awesome. That's I had so such sick. a good time But had I dragged four people along that were not like emotionally invested in creating this music with me I would have felt awful, right? You know, I would have felt like oh man all of you could like be home like mm-hmm. cooking yourselves food and sleeping in your own bed but yeah i, I, I like dragged you to this cabin in nowhere pennsylvania and it's you're, just, yeah. y- you're just able to breathe it in and yeah. it's
0: not like you're looking at it and you're like all right i'm gonna try and like spin this positively for everyone it's just right like, yeah this is yeah. i like it yeah i'm cool with it yeah it's interesting like going you know you kind of mentioned this when we started talking about like your hometown and the and the changes and stuff like that yeah. because um you know when that record becomes not dad punchers it's the warm thoughts record yeah mar vista and that's the part i only hear from yeah Um, yeah that's
2: technically the neighborhood
0: uh you know that very much feels like this is a record about coming home you're right and seeing what's going on like while i've been away right and taking that inventory
2: yeah absolutely and yeah it was about that it was about just going through my early 20s and navigating shit that I'd never done before and just the, the experiences that come with that. I like that
0: it, you know, it starts with, you know, the image of of the tire swing and like, this is where this is where you get started. And that's like, that's, idyllic that's suburban and then all of these songs just take place in you know places with mold in the walls where there's dishes that are stacked up it's the ac is not working it's like oh yeah this is uh
2: this is like what it's what it's really
0: this is (laughs) what it all leads to i guess yeah
2: yeah and you know and they're all open to interpretation in in different aspects but it was a lot of it was coming home from you know, these wonderful tours where I'd have so much fun and I was surrounded by great people and it was pretty euphoric and then coming home and there's just nothing, you know. Yeah. And just everything comes to a jarring stop. And
0: Well, that that post-tour depression is is pretty real and if you're in a depressing place, it's like, man, this is... Not when I. Not what I don't know
1: why.
0: Yeah. Not where I want to be. Jarring. I could be back in the back of that van right now in a heartbeat. Yeah, exactly. You got a storyteller's perspective, though. Where do you think that comes from?
2: That's a good question. I don't know. I, I find it fun to kind of hide and idealize and romanticize various elements of things. And it's it's fun to take different perspectives and fun to try to empathize from what you think things would be like from another person's perspective. And mm-hmm. I have had fun in embracing that and exploring that through song making.
0: Yeah. Is uh-huh. there uh I I feel like it's okay because I feel like everything must grow is a is a weaker than it reference yeah. So yeah. there's a, there's some John K in oh, there for sure I mean sure. they're my favorite band
2: yeah without a doubt he's a, he's unbelievable he's the best he's the best i i criminally underrated
0: um you know, it's it, it's interesting too because I've been reading stories. Have you ever heard this woman, Amy Hempel? I haven't. She's me. from California. She's a minimalist. And uh, well, I don't know actually if she's from California, but yeah. all of the stories take place in California. They're all real sparse, real uh, kind of a bummer. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there's just these stories about a lot of people like just living on the beach and the idea of like taking that image and the way we look at it and the you know being a beach bum it's like oh yeah, that's the life like thinking right. about going to a place like santa cruz you like, yeah. oh yeah i could just stay here yeah you just look at that and see the stasis and all of it right and the uh yeah the just how downtrodden yeah. that all can feel
2: absolutely absolutely is she uh is it like short story format or is mm-hmm. it amy hempel i gotta look yeah. into that that sounds like something I would she's enjoy. got this
0: story called san francisco uh-huh. it's about an earthquake it reminded me of the song that you got about the earthquake in 94 yeah freaking the door frame yeah um san francisco it's, a, it's about an earthquake and yeah. it's about a, a sister and uh thinking about her other sister who doesn't talk to her anymore yeah. Page age and a half fucking just destroys
2: okay i'm gonna i'm absolutely gonna look that up yeah it sounds like something i can really get into yeah Yeah. i think
0: that like you know i i've spent a lot of time like you know getting into i guess like finding my points like what i really really like in in stories like that and it's those those types of life stories that places in places that like seem like they should be ideal and they're not absolutely I feel like when you come home, too, when you come home to places like, you know, where you're from and and you've been gone for however long and then you come back and you're the one who sees the thing that nobody else sees because they're within it. Yeah, that's that's perspective to take in.
2: Absolutely. And I experience that very often. And I think in the last couple of years has been this real lesson in trying to, you know keep in mind that expectation is kind of the great root of disappointment and mm-hmm. you know idealizing things can lead to a lot of pain and uh and while it can be helpful to get through you know when you're having a day that you don't want to be in you know it can be really helpful to be like okay well tomorrow's a new day it's going to be great and uh it's all about perspective it's all about maintaining perspective and
0: yeah yeah where were you living like during that time were you like were you in the house with no ac or was that just a place that you could kind of
2: it was a place i could just go to i was actually living with uh i was living with my dad at the time and we got along great we get along wonderfully but i was just having such a hard time it was so jarring coming home and just having nothing to do and nobody giving a shit about like what you're up to after you've done this thing and people are like, yeah, I really like what you're doing. And then you come home and you no, know, I get shit. And it's, right. It's just jar- it was just jarring. And I didn't know how to cope with it at the time. And now I've figured out coping strategies to where I don't care. And it's I'm much better at flopping. Is that the strategy? Is just being like, I don't care. <laughs> I, I just don't care. It, it, not even that. I don't know that it's apathy. But it's having it's having shit to do. It's having shit to be excited about coming yeah. home to Uh, It's about having hobbies that you can do that are outside of this music sphere or whatever it is and uh-huh. it's about maintaining friendships and relationships that you're excited to come back to yeah and yeah it's making it's having another life i think well it's
0: it sounds like it's really helpful to just make sure that you're not putting everything down yeah. and leaving for 3 months it's like let's just keep like you know the levels up a little bit right. so it's you know i can be excited about you know, this person that I've been talking with right. while I'm gone or Absolutely, whatever, whatever I want to do when I get back. It's funny. You you mentioned your dad's house. Cause that's where the, uh, that's where these times weren't made for you comes from, right? You're yes. doing that. You're doing that in his home. Yes. I recorded
2: yeah. that there in his living room. Um, I wrote all of Mar Vista in his house. Um, the, actually the, the photo from the fund of the Mar Vista slash dad punchers self-titled is from his front yard, that flat wilting sunflower. Uh, uh-huh. um, and the These Times Weren't Made For You photo is f- from his backyard. That bust that's sitting on the chair he actually uh, sculpted. He's like an art guy. Oh, wow. So he sculpted that bust. Uh-huh. Um, so there's a lot of ties in with kind of location in this shit that I'm doing. Like, um, Yeah, that was. And then, you know, the back of this new record that I just put out is this lemon tree that's outside my front door.
0: Uh-huh. That's the most California thing I've ever heard.
2: Yeah, <sighs> no, God, it's unapologetically California. <laughs> I know, but it's just the the location and what it, in the context that uh, I'm occupying in between being gone all the time, is just has been lending itself to making this stuff.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, that that EP, it's like you're going out and you're you're trying to like put different things on there and you're recording it all yourself, right? Yeah. Is that is that led a lot by just like, I, w- I want to make this piano sound good.
2: Yeah, it was partly wanting to make it sound a certain way, partly me just plain old being interested in recording and figuring out how to create certain sounds and wanting to just tinker and play around with things. Um, and I think it also came from being self-conscious about doing this stuff in front of other people Uh-huh. and maybe a little bit of a fear to relinquish control to somebody else. So, All of which I've kind of overcome by now. But Yeah,
0: so are you talking about, like, because Alex Cameron recorded the first one, was it just, like, kind of tough for you to, I guess, like, per, cause you are performing. Mm-hmm. I mean, singing by yourself in a vocal booth in front yeah. of somebody is probably... It's well, terrifying. no, I know. I've been there. It's,
2: yeah, it's awful. It's awful. and Yeah, and I felt like I couldn't take as long as I wanted to do with vocals, and I felt like I was quick to say yes to things that were suggested, and I was quick to just be like, uh, yeah, sure, let's move on. Like, Let's not dwell on this, which I've also learned is really important. You know, uh-huh. It's nice to have somebody be like, okay, this is good. Let's move you on. You got to move on. Um, you get a little little too, too yeah. into it on the EP? Yeah, <laughs> I did with that, and also that intangible 7 inch i like really just ground myself into the ground after uh, yeah doing that and i pretty much swore off that i don't think i will self record anything else that i release for the most or i will but i'll give it to somebody else to mix i'll give it to somebody else to master just yeah. like i don't need to i don't need to be that well it sounds
0: like you know the idea though of like going in there and and really like getting in on like layering and things like that Mm -hmm. wanting to create a a fuller thing that's not just you know guitar and maybe a guitar overdub right you you're working with the with zach on this one and it's almost like all right this is what I wanted to do. Help me please. Yes, Like you can, you
2: can guide this. Where did you, where did you find him? He was a mutual friend. He had just graduated from NYU for recording very recently, like in the last year or two years. And he was a kid that I met through another friend and he was just, I could just tell right off the bat, he was super passionate about recording. Mm -hmm. And anytime I meet anybody who's passionate about their craft, you know like you're very passionate about this podcast i can tell and i can tell that you know it occupies a great amount of your brain space and so that inspires me you know and then i've met zach and he's very inspired about recording and he wants to make it the best that he can and so anytime i meet anybody who's doing that with their particular craft i am i am just so excited about being around it and experiencing it and He met me and he was like, yeah, like, you know, I just got home from just graduated from NYU. I have this recording set up, like, come over, listen to things I've been recording. Let me just because I also was picking his brain about just recording shit. Right. I was asking like, how do I make this sound good? How do I make this sound good? He said, just come over. I'll show you what I do and Mm -hmm. you can go through my workflow and see how I do things. And so I went over and uh, he I think originally he was uh, courting me because he wanted to do the new t record. Uh-huh. Um, he did the new single, right? Yeah, he did Green. So I'm glad that we finally did get to do something. To yeah, you know. that's awesome. Um, and I was like, yeah, I mean, I don't know if, you know, I don't know if the Touche thing will happen right now. But, you know, I have my own thing. We should do that. And, yeah, and it happened. And it was wonderful. It was stressful as hell. Not because of him, just because, I mean again like just i didn't relinquish control how does
0: this how does this play out for
2: you because you're such a
0: jovial presence like when you're stressed is it like is it super internal or it's super internal i just get
2: quiet and i'm just like uh i think i'm done for today yeah
0: (laughs) i just have a hard time seeing it
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i just i keep it in i don't i i don't yeah i don't let it out really yeah yeah um I'm more getting better at being communicative about when I'm upset. Or what about when or... you're? What about when you're
0: in the van? Like when you're on tour, is that is that a place where you're also stressed and quiet, or is that kind of its own? You're letting that ship be steered, and you can just be along for the for the ride.
2: It's much more of that, which I'm grateful for. You know, it's like it's a team. Touche is more of like a team. Everybody kind of has their thing that they're good at, and they contribute to it. And you know, we have our really good friend who's our merchant tour manager and he can steer the ship and everyone's eager to drive and i am happy to do whatever anyone needs me to do and it's less stressful and yeah i've been playing drums for long enough that for the most part i mean i still do suffer to some extent from performance anxiety and sometimes it's day- worse than other days but for the most part i'm getting good at letting that be and letting everybody contribute what they're good at and just mm-hmm. kind of fulfilling my role and whatever it needs to be
0: it's really nice to not feel like you have to be doing it all yeah. on that side of things yeah too and it, you know it's me it's it sounds like you're getting there yeah. with the warm thoughts stuff yeah and and it's just like it's kind of just Stretching that muscle out a little bit and just remembering that like it's okay when you do it over here Yeah Finding spots where even though this is kind of a one-person show you can like at least like let this person be In charge of putting the synth layer on top of this
2: track exactly. Yeah, I'm getting better at it Mm
0: -hmm. And I don't know
2: what that I don't know what again It originally started really from just a my insane schedule, you know, it'll be like, okay I'm home for five weeks I want to write and record this thing. If I have to have somebody else help, it's going to take too long. Mm -hmm. And then the rest of it is rooted in just like self-consciousness, you know? Yeah. Just being afraid of showing somebody that is a work, afraid of showing somebody something that's a work in progress yeah but i think again i'm just kind of overcoming that with time
0: well, right and like i think that you know go, going back to expectations it's like yeah. when you set your own schedule you don't tell anybody else your schedule and you're just like hey i got i got a thing to do here yeah and that's just what it is you're like, right <laughs> like, yeah you're just gonna get in the way exactly yeah that's not that's no good yeah yeah and i'm learning this as i go yeah um you know th- this record though uh I really, I think it just it flows so well. Thank it you. sounds great, thank you. And it, and it and it flows so well, and it's just got a really nice like pace to it. Appreciate that. Were you were you writing it thinking about the sequence, or was this something that you kind of, you wrote songs and then you preened it into into ten.
2: Originally, I recorded twelve, so there was two songs that were cut because I thought that they disrupted the flow of the record. Yeah, I spent a long time trying to figure out the sequencing, and I Jeremy actually helped me big time with the sequencing because he's really good at that. Mm-hmm. Um, I sent him the record, and I was like, "What's the order? What do you What do you see here?" And he sent me an order, and I think you know maybe three quarters of the record are kind of the order that he laid out. And uh, yeah, I actually sent it to a few friends, and I was like, "Hey, I I'm having a hard time." Because there's a dynamic to it, you know, there's in the same way, like with the weaker thans, you know, it's like there are songs that are fast and they rock and their songs that are quiet and I didn't know how to make them. I mean, you, you,
0: you start with everything must go and it's such a perfect opening scene.
2: Right. And it's such a perfect way to go.
1: Da-na-na-na. Yeah,
2: exactly, <laughs> exactly, and I yeah, and I heard it on your on your weaker than's podcast. It was an it was an issue that you guys talked about. Oh, Left right, and right, right. Yeah. it's a it's a perfect, wonderful record, but the sequencing and pacing of it, at least for me, I think like it it's, it's so front heavy. It's really front heavy. The second half kind of drags a little bit. Yeah, and again, it's because it's like there's these dynamics, you know, and I think. They're sprinkled in a somewhat uneven way on the record. But I love, you know, I love it to Death. Mm-hmm. So I was really struggling with that. And like another one of my favorite bands is uh, Yellow Tango. And they have a lot of dynamics, you know? They do have a lot of dynamics. And so and I saw them on the last tour. How was it? Oh, it was fucking incredible. I love that new record. It was,
0: I think it's so great. I yeah. think the middle of it is some of the best stuff that they've Absolutely. ever done. Some
2: like that instrumental. I mean, it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, they played two nights here mm-hmm. and I went the first night because the second night sold out and it was great they played Tom Courtney and that's my second favorite Yola Tango song I was yeah. really really happy that I got to see that Yeah. but then Friday they played uh, I Heard You Looking Yeah. and Rick uh, from the 11th Dream Day uh, band from, from Chicago that they go way back with he came out and played that with them and they played it for 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking. And my dad saw them in Dublin they played I Heard You Looking." and they played it for 20 minutes. Wow. And they just, he said that they just like boosted the sound up to the point that people are just leaving. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. I what
2: would have like to see that? Yeah. And I so respect their, because I've listened to interviews with them and they're just like, yeah, I mean, we never thought twice about just starting the record with the 15 minute jam song. It just made sense to us. Yeah. And to me, it's, it's difficult. Like when I explain him to people, I'm like, okay, here's the thing about this band. They bookend their records with these long jam songs. They're great. They can be a little difficult, but then they fill everything with just like pop goodness in the middle. Yeah. So I was really worried about sequence. I put a lot of thought into the sequencing of this record because there's dynamics and I didn't want it to feel like two different records. And I, and you also don't want,
0: you know, you don't want to go to, you don't want to go to the song. That's like, downtrodden the one that's like desperate i think it's it for you on this one it's like it's the eighth track it's the one that follows the pier Mm -hmm. um i don't have the track listing in front of me right now but uh you know you can't throw that in the middle right you you gotta you gotta wait for that and you gotta put it at a you gotta put it at a spot where it falls right and then it picks back up I yeah I, I love the flow of this thing and Thank the layering you, on it. it too is like were you working with Zachalon on like all right I got an open space like what can we throw on top of here
2: for the most part the whole record was done when I came to him I was basically just like here's all I had dem- I had like pretty much demoed everything mm-hmm. and I sent him essentially the entire record with demos and we tweaked a little bit here and there he and got a couple suggestions here and there but for the most part we really took the path of least resistance it was just kind of like let's lay this down you know yeah. we had we'd talked about having a day of just trying harmonies and we talked about having a day of just trying synth shit but by the end of it we were just like yeah let's let's just leave it yeah 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 and that can be hard to do is knowing when to walk away but
0: I think you. I think you. You found the spot on this. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> I appreciate it. And yeah, you know, I think the um, there's a lot of earnestness to it, and there's a lot of like, you know, you come back to the place where you grew up, and it's a little bit different than it was even two months ago. Right. And that's 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 a thing that's happening in a lot of cities, and it's a tough thing to see. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think that the spots that you seem to focus on are 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 they're really they're full of. Great insights. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, the pier especially was the one where it's just like, yeah, the that's a that's a bad place. That's a, <laughs> that's a you know, it's the ocean. It's like it's like oh, this is the end. And yeah. it's like, but
2: you're staying there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. hey,
0: look
3: at what's on the sand. That's uh, yeah, needles. those aren't good. Uh,
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah, and you know, some of that is storytelling. Some of that is rooted in reality. I right. I got into running on the beach. Barefoot in the sand uh, for a while, and I did come incredibly close to stepping on a needle. Yeah, and I was just like, "Holy fuck, that's gnarly."
0: Yeah, but also, <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the, you know, that's Put going that one in the, the bank, right? The <laughs> of, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know, on I, 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 I would say it's it's a sad, but it's a happy you note. Know, you know, I yeah. told you what's going on with the dog yeah, in here this the week. Dog. So yeah. uh, it's it, that line about going for a hike with all your dogs and all yeah. the dogs you've ever owned I was yes. just like oh man uh, <laughs> just been thinking about that uh, it's been filling filling the house with goodness and positivity yeah so this is, this is a great great record you got Asian Man and Death Wish yes putting it out good yes. people to work with great
2: people I'm so. very grateful for all of them
0: that's awesome great thank having you over Thanks thank so you
2: much.
0: so much for yes. having me yeah. all right some you have a good time you have a good time All right, hey, great stuff. Elliot talked a lot about passion and people who are passionate, and that's what radiates from him is passion what he puts into his craft, and building upon something that started from overcoming a fear and wanting to explore space that is so vulnerable. That's what propels him. As a writer, propels his recordings and guides him into a space where he can relinquish some of the control and put that in the hands of someone else. The result is something that not only preserves Elliot's headspace, but lets the art fucking flourish. I Went Swimming Alone is the name of the record. It's a tremendous effort grateful for the chance to talk to elliot about it and to share that conversation with him check out warm thoughts online you ready dad still got that old url dad the record is available on asian man's web store asianmanrecords.limitedrun.com subscribe to this podcast On Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, tell a friend about the show. We're on Bandcamp, .bandcamp betteryetpodcast.bandcamp.com. The website is betteryetpod.com. Like us on Facebook. You can send me a message on there. Email is betteryetpodcast at gmail.com. Listen to As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio, and my other show, Postmarkedum, Perspectives in Professional Wrestling. Thank you so much. Thanks, Elliot. Thank you, Chloe and Lily. Thanks to Aaron Kovacs. And thank you all for keeping me so grounded. This song always reminds me of my mom. And I think I've mentioned that before. Come back next week. Thanks, boys.
3: Headlights race towards